Welcome to the Audio and Visual Podcast. My name is Jay Bigham, and I'm your host. Audio and Visual is a podcast that hopes to bring you into the artist's studio, whether that be a large commercial studio space or an extra bedroom in a condo, to help you get to know the struggles, triumphs, and day-to-day lives of people creating visual arts. Initially, the artists featured will be from my circle of friends and acquaintances, which are mostly Edmonton and Alberta-based, but I do have quite a few folks I know through social media spread out all over the world. I hope to feature some of them through the magic of the Skype interview. The artists you will hear, for the most part, will be people you've probably never heard of, but you may be familiar with some of their work. This isn't a podcast that will be featuring famous artists. Rather, it's focused on those artists that live and work right beside you. Today's guest is Edmonton-based artist and curator Miriam Qureshi. We met at the Lotus Gallery in late May. Let's get right to it. So, um, why don't we talk about, uh, let's talk about a little bit about your background in art, you know, how you got started, uh, your training, those kinds of things. Um, I'm self-taught. I sort of basically learned art through my parents and through just making paint out of randomly found leaves and rocks and things like that. Um, grew up in Pakistan till I was about 12. So, you know, like, instead of playing with very, I don't know, instead of playing with a lot of things, played with a lot of earthly things. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, sure. (laughs) Leaves and rocks and stuff. (laughs) So, and my mom, super creative person. My dad, super creative person. Like, both of them. Mom was a seamstress and did hair, did clothes, did paintings, did all kinds of that kind of stuff. And dad used to make furniture, you know, started his own wood, like factory kind of thing. And so just kind of grew up like playing with all those little little elements and play with my sisters and used to like squish like leaves together and make like you know imagine that that was like food in different ways and (laughs) you know like kids play right and that kind of led to just like playing with those things and put it on paper played with eggshells put it on paper and mom used to encourage us to like do all kinds of fun things like that um it kind of sheltered us from like the craziness that was going on in the country at that time and stuff so we stayed pretty safe being you know artsy and stuff in our little corners and then eventually it was like okay well you know life happens and I don't remember what else happened and we came out here and when we came out here I'm the oldest of the the four daughters so my parents, you know, they're first generation immigrants into Canada. They're not coming here with a lot of savings and things like that. So it was kind of like education was important. Getting a proper job that will feed everyone was important and things like that. Yep. So mm-hmm. I didn't really, I applied for some art schools, but I got into an art school, but I didn't really pursue that because I didn't think that 
I would ever make it as an artist because it's just too hard to earn a full-time artist living. Um, so went into administrative stuff and so now found myself sort of traveling after university, wanted to see the rest of Canada and look for better jobs like related to what I studied and stuff like that. So came to Edmonton and found a job here. So pretty stable enough that I could help pay off the rest of my parents' mortgage and just kind of get them, you know, on, mm -hmm. on their retirement course and stuff. Um, and so now it's, you know, I'm trying to get back into the arts and trying to find my, my niche. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, so what would you describe, I mean, you talk a little bit about your style sort of coming very much from nature and, and mixed yeah. media and stuff. Um, at least that's how it started. How yeah. would you describe your work now? A lot of oil paint. I love the textures of the oil paint. The, the fact that it lasts forever. And you can really like get lost in it. Like you start an oil painting and you just can go on and on and on. And I just love that aspect of it. Um, so yeah, like now I do a lot of oil paintings, but some of them have a lot of mixed media in it. Sometimes I throw in a record, or <laughs> <laughs> like a random found object, sure. a newspaper article or whatever it is, like just something kind of like a souvenir or a memory or something like that. And sort of seal it up with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you use a lot of a lot of thick, thick. Yeah, I do. I yeah. really love using thick texture. It's almost like a, it's almost like a play thing for me. Like if if there's, it almost makes it a little bit more real or three D, instead of just it being so flat and you know. Like a poster kind of thing. Yeah, away yeah. From that yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, in terms of your subject matter, what, what's your favorite subject matter? Do you have a favorite? I really like landscapes and I love to just have this like emotional imagination of different landscapes. I usually don't paint from references, so I'll sort of like imagine a certain landscape and I really love figures, like I love people. And I kind of incorporate the two into my paintings. Usually it's about some kind of figures in a landscape, um, but they're all sort of emotional, either landscapes or emotional figures. They all kind of come from more the emotional aspect of what I'm thinking rather than like literally taking a picture of a landscape and then painting from that. Sure, it's an interpretation. Yeah, it's not even an interpretation. I wouldn't even say that because if you look around, like there's no, you can't see that landscape anywhere because it really didn't come from somewhere I've seen or I've, I've taken a picture of. It's really coming from my head and sometimes I wonder like, why <laughs> is it coming from my head? Where did that come Where from? Where did that come from? <laughs> I, I see a lot of uh, motion in a lot of your your paintings as well. Uh, um, there is, like, is a lot of movement. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I, I mean, I, I do several, I've seen several of yours with uh, bicyclists and yeah. uh, cars as well and those kind of things. So that obviously has some kind of resonance. Yeah, I feel like just simplifying life and just kind of like we're so, we're so fast paced these days. Everything is fast paced. Everything is manufactured, you know, like even art you know, is just so manufactured all the time. Like, okay, let's make another painting. Let's make another painting. And let's, you know, let's, I don't know, make prints and, and, and you know, manufacture that one creative thought or collection of colors or just emotion into like millions of like prints and try to like sell that and it's just kind of like I'm the worst salesperson <laughs> when it comes to art because I really want to simplify it and make it like in the end I don't know how to explain this but very often like you know it's like uh, somebody making bread so you'll make your bread and I'll make my bread we both have egg flour water and we'll make the bread and in the end it will just be bread, right? It's the same with paintings. In the end they were just paintings. But it's that process of making the bread or the painting that's so it's so valuable to me. Like I feel like it needs to be sort of simplified but also have that emotional aspect of what's around me, you know, <laughs> like this fast pace and like <laughs> So do you feel that sort of when you're when you're finished with the painting the it's almost what's the word um a byproduct of what you've done i mean it, the most important part is is the actual creation yeah most of the piece. Of, yeah. yeah yeah it's really like taking the time to actually make it that that time it takes to make it and sometimes you can you think it's finished and you put it away or you you know you set it aside and then you come back and you see it and then there's something in there that you want to add or you like it's the play mm -hmm. you know of that it's that's the most important part for me anyways you're listening to audio and visual the podcast about visual arts and artists today's guest is edmonton-based artist and curator Ariam Qureshi. For more information on Miriam and to hear all our episodes, visit audioonvisual.ca. Follow us on Twitter at audioonvisual and visit facebook.com slash audioonvisual. Now back to Miriam. So let's talk about um, this place we're sitting in here right now, um, the Lotus Art Gallery on 124th Street. Um, this is kind of your baby. Um, do you want to talk about how this place came to be and what's the the uh, sort of the purpose why why you put this place together um i really technically so because of my artwork i was lucky enough that there was a few people that found my artwork very appealing and so they asked me to come see if i wanted to use this space as their studio or as my studio and at first I was kind of hesitant, but when I came, I saw the potential of it. Like, I mean, we're on, as an artist, the artist part of me kind of kicked in and I was like, whoa, this is like a great opportunity for me to be able to actually make lots of pieces, lots of big pieces and things like that. And the more time I spent in here, the more I realized that 
like there's so much more potential to it than just me sitting here and making artwork there's I got to like do things like the art walk and you know I got to like um, do things with the city with other artists and stuff and it just like made me realize that there's so many visual and musicians in the city that are always sort of up to do something creative but very often they don't have either the space or the funds to to be able to do something like that so you know to exhibit art as an artist it's not always the easiest because you gotta apply then there's like waiting lists then you gotta get in into a gallery and there's so many like roadblocks um, then if you're already sort of poor coming from a poor family and like there's more roadblocks you know so it's almost impossible for you to exhibit or get a chance to even put your work out there to expose yourself in that way. So I thought it would be really cool if like I turned the studio into a little gallery and let, you know, local artists as well, like do their thing in, in the studio. And I mean, it would be good company for me too. And sure. it'd be good for them. So kind of like helping each other out. So and you, this started two years ago. Yeah. 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 So you have um, you have events here. You have well, we'll talk about those kinds of things. Like, what does this gallery do on a monthly basis? Sure. Yeah. So we exhibit every end of the month. We start up a new exhibit. So there's new artists that will exhibit on the walls. Um, every Saturday, I host a paint night because. Technically, the studio is sponsored, like it's it's my sponsorship, so I still have to, sponsorship's like a relationship, right? Like you have to give back to get some mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, like, I mean, I run events like paint parties or any other smaller events that can bring in a little bit of money because not all the art will sell all the time. And if it does, we're lucky. If it doesn't, then, you know, we still, have, we still paint, right? right. So um, in the end, there's gotta be other ways to sort of keep the roof up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so paint nights and music events, um, we do live auctions, live art, all kinds of really, really fun events that are entertaining and, and just kind of fun for the family and everyone um, that keeps us kind of keep going, you know? Sure, sure. And so what's your uh, your process for selecting artists for in here? Um, so they have to have a good body of work, like they have to have enough body of work to exhibit. They also have to basically have some kind of quality to their work. So it's hard for me to say, because I'm self-taught, that I look for, you know, educational like qualities, like you've had a fine arts degree in arts sure. and things like that. I don't do it that way, but I definitely look at like the quality of artwork itself. Like if the painting is not well done, it's not finished, if they're using mediums that will crack off or break away, or if they're, you know, the skill set itself kind of has to seep through 
For example, I mean, if you look at the artwork that's on exhibit these days, it's all materials that you can't really find in the craft stores right now. But just looking at them, you might not see the depth of quality in them, but if you actually take the time to look at the quality of the work, it's intense. Like One of them is um, marquetry, and it's literally cutting pieces of wood together, cutting pieces of wood in fine, fine details, and then putting them together as if they were puzzle pieces, and then press wood. So hours and hours of work, you know, veneers that go on it, stains that go on it, and well done. Like, there's not one stroke that's, like, kind of off, you know, <laughs> or, like, you know what I mean? So it's, like, from a, an art admirer, I can see that there's real quality in it. And so that's how I basically pick the artwork. There is a lot of art that comes through through submissions. Sure. Unfortunately, I can't always pick all of the artwork because there is a lot of potential for a lot of artwork but it's not the quality of what i would consider fine art really sure so yeah i'm a little yeah. bit tough but <laughs> <laughs> you gotta draw a line and you have to have <laughs> the you know. space is so small too like yeah. there's you know there's only a limited amount of paintings that can go up <laughs> yeah. as you can see there's a few on the floor right now <laughs> well for, for people up who can't see this we're uh, in the back part of this uh Lotus Gallery and it's about uh, six foot by ten foot and the rest <laughs> yeah. of the gallery is uh, probably about 20 by 30 feet or something like that. If, yeah. if that. If so that, yeah. It's a small space but it's, uh, it's very intimate and uh, and uh, I remember coming down here when it was uh, unfinished uh, two yeah. years ago. When it, and you actually helped, like, you know, yeah. start it up with it, me. It's really awesome. Yeah, so um, let's talk about uh, Without your effort during those first few months, like I would have been lost. Like some of those things, you know, yeah. like it takes a community, right? It like, does, yeah, yeah. And that's I was happy to, to do what I could to help out because I think it's, this is a, it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is because it's just I think what you've done here is a really remarkable um, achievement for someone with basically very little resources and and just mostly drive just to get something happening we here. gotta go we gotta make this happen yeah, I, it's, <laughs> together it's, together yeah, i, I uh, awesome. have just been amazed at the work you've done over the last uh, couple of years and, it's uh, hard yeah, yeah. <laughs> my like learning went from like zero to like wow i don't know where i'm going <laughs> <laughs> well you're still here i think that that's yes, always something yeah you know, true that's, true it's uh, pretty great um, so I understand you had a little trip, uh, an art related trip in the, uh, was it in the fall? Oh God, you're going to bring that up, aren't you? <laughs> um, I did. Yeah. I was actually really, really lucky to get selected. I don't know how this happened, but a gallery from Austria saw some of my artwork and saw this, the art stuff that I was doing here and they really enjoyed it and they contacted me and they said, would you like to be one of the 300 artists that will exhibit at the uh, contemporary art exhibit temporarily at the Louvre? And I said, what? <laughs> My jaw dropped. <laughs> Started sweating profusely. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? <laughs> it was pretty intense. It was really cool. I still am not really over it. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's really cool and it's I don't know how to really express it because I'm still kind of processing it all like it just happened in the fall and I'm still kind of working through how to grow from that as an artist because ever since that I've had some really cool galleries approach me for contracts and things like that which outside of Canada I've said yes to but inside of Canada I haven't really heard much news like heard much interest so I'm kind of I'm more like into the whole local stuff so I really would wish that that would create some kind of local thing for me but we'll see how that goes um there's a there's one gallery in Europe that's kind of pushing me to do some really interesting exhibits which would be really really cool um, a lot of pressure on making really good art first of all and then secondly prices like pricing the artwork is not always the easiest I mean I started pricing my artwork you know with $25 at first right and I was selling canvases for $25 and I had to like build them up as I got more and more contracts mm -hmm. from galleries this gallery wants me to do a show at the Cannes festival um, it's like an international film festival where Hollywood people are going to be buying art and they're saying that it's best if you have artwork that's at a good affordable level where they're not going to see it as too cheap which is so difficult yeah, it is it's it's for sure but it, there's definitely that low bar if you're pricing your art too yeah too cheaply people go oh that can't be any good yeah which is which sucks yeah which really sucks i mean why can't people just look at art and just see it for art you know yeah. <laughs> like, stop getting distracted by the prices yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well, I mean, there is, you know, it's, it, you have to really take care of yourself in terms of making sure that you've got your costs covered. I mean, you yeah, it takes a lot to half, go there. half an inch of, of oil paint on some of your, that's it's a lot tight. of just yeah. basic materials to say nothing of the time, the yeah. talent, the, the hard work that goes in and all the other stuff that has to go into selling a piece of art. And yeah. then if you're going to go somewhere to sell it, don't go across yeah, the ocean. Yeah, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Like so far, like with the gallery plus my paintings themselves, like that's why I don't paint that much anymore. It's unfortunate. Like I, I try my best to create, but with oil paint, it does cost a lot of money. But with gallery and everything, like I was pretty much dipping into the savings that I had saved from the paintings. So like that's how I was kind of, I, I have an art account, which every time I sold anything since I was like, you know, 14, I put some of that money into that art account. And then so every time I needed to paint, I would dip out of that art account or every time I need to do something in regards to art. But really having like a, a gallery and, and managing a lot of things like there's so many costs to it that even if like somebody's covering your rent all the other costs are pretty huge so all those costs have to come out of some savings somewhere <laughs> so right now I'm like pretty much you know going down on my savings and there's like hardly anything left so I'm kind of hoping that I can make it to this exhibit that I'm supposed to but 
I, I couldn't do it for this May. I had to postpone it and mm -hmm. we'll see what happens next year kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's a challenge to put together those, all those pieces and um, just a couple other people have talked about that um, being, you know, offered the chance uh, to go yeah, to New York so. or um, Venice, I think was the, another place that somebody, and it was just like, nope, can't do it, can't get there. Yeah, like how do you? How do you get there? And yeah. then you, it's expensive to ship your work there, and yeah. if it doesn't sell, then you ship it back, and yeah. you, have, you eat Super. all of those costs. I mean, yeah. you make it a vacation. That's one thing, but uh, if you're going it's for not always yeah. easy. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. We wish we could make it a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. You're listening to Audio and Visual, the podcast about visual arts and artists. Today's guest is Edmonton-based artist and curator, Miriam Qureshi. For more information on Miriam and to hear all our episodes, visit audioonvisual.ca, follow us on Twitter at audioonvisual, and visit facebook.com slash audioonvisual. Now back to Miriam. So, um, uh, I also heard that you just uh, received a little award. I just, this last Friday, I was awarded the Muse Award, so, which is pretty cool. So they have, they had a section for Inspire, and so I was part of the Inspire crew, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, it's very nice. It's really like, it's very motivational in that way, um, where I feel like, I feel like I can do a lot for a lot of people with these opportunities like not just for myself but for a lot of other artists around me because like i'm given these little opportunities here and there to to be able to do that so it's kind of fun because for me it's like in order for like our world in general like this is going to sound really strange but in order for our world in general to be sort of a little bit of a better place we need creative minds and creative people. And I find like in today's world, like we have too many people that are sort of either too automated, like they're too like systematic. They're too, I got to go to work nine to five, then I don't have energy. You know, I'm going to watch some tube and or listen to some music and then go to bed, get up, go to work. Do it all over again. Yeah, yeah you know what I mean? So. Creative people, they have this drive, like this natural drive that allows them to sort of do things outside of their like routine, you know, and they're, I don't know, I feel like we need that in the world because otherwise it's just be like really boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, what have you got coming up? Anything? Um, I am very, very excited to launch some new art workshops. So um, I already do some gallery paint nights here on Saturdays. And on Sundays, I'm planning to collaborate with another artist who's a resident artist. By the way, if you know any resident artists or any artists looking for studio space, I am looking for... Do you want to just explain how that works here? Yeah, sure. So if somebody wants to have a public studio, like sometimes you're a photographer, for example, and 
it's just kind of unprofessional for you to say, okay, yeah, come to my basement apartment and I'll take some headshots of your face, like, you know? Uh, and you need a professional place where you can do that. You can do that here at Lotus. Um, if you're a painter and you just want people to be able to see your paintings and things like that and how you paint and how you do your work, you can come do that here. Um, there's actually a resident artist here today who's painting and working on his painting. He's actually the artist that I'm going to be doing a, a workshop with on Sundays. So we're starting up this workshop called posters, uh, postcards. And we're going to be making sort of meditational postcards. So his artwork is very meditational in the sense like he makes these little lines and drawings and shapes and stuff like that. I kind of you kind of lose track of your daily routine. You lose track of your like worries about bills and things like that when you're in that. So I thought it would be kind of fun to do a workshop with the general public if they were interested to have just like a couple of seats out and open and they can come in and make a postcard and just kind of lose themselves in creativity for a bit. And then they can take the postcard either post it away to a friend or, or keep it as a souvenir, whatever they like. But I think it will be kind of fun. So that's my new project that I'm working on. Um, and just a couple of other projects I'm working on with a couple of other visual artists who are exhibiting on the walls. Um, we're gonna, I'm planning on applying for a group show at Medicine Hat soon. So hopefully Medicine Hat will be the first step into other galleries. Um, there's a Yegg Studio gallery that's wanting to collaborate and we're thinking of maybe even swapping spaces sometimes. Mm. So curators kind of swapping areas and putting artwork in different areas and bringing that community together. So I'm kind of excited for those projects. Those yeah. are the on the go right now. Sounds, sounds really exciting and really I think um, goes to sort of the core of what I've seen you do in the last couple of years since I've known you, which is getting the the local artists who are not maybe at the there, there's there seems to be a sort of a glass ceiling kind of thing in in art in a lot of ways, and you talked about that earlier where it's getting into one of the few galleries is pretty difficult, and it, it really seems like. Um, you know, once you get past your tough curation. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's not that tough. It's but not that <laughs> tough. Um, but you're really giving opportunity to so many people to just be able to come and make art and show art and, and actually get something to put on their own. Because this is a, an actual gallery of fine arts on 124th yeah, Street. For I mean, sure. Yeah. Uh, for those who aren't in Edmonton, 124th Street is called Gallery Row, and uh, there are probably 12 galleries or something along here. And, yeah. And Lotus is one of them, and and you know it's some pretty rarefied air in some of those galleries. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think this is one of the the really cool things about Lotus and what you've done with it in the last couple of years is that oh that's really it's, awesome it's, yeah no I'm happy with the way it's turning out yeah. um, there was a few resident artists that started with me earlier on and they're doing really really well I'm like really happy to say that even some of the other galleries that are on the street that didn't officially at first really get into the local arts that much they were more into like bringing big names and mm -hmm. international artists and things like that. 
but they were really overseeing very fine artists and so they they saw that in Lotus and they saw a lot of artists that came through that were really good at what they did um, and I'm really proud to say like actually two of them had a solo show just last month at one of the galleries and then a couple of them are having some more shows at a few of the other galleries around so it's like it's like it's like a little bit of spreading of the lotus art which is <laughs> well, like, i love it <laughs> that's fantastic really and, and like i said it doesn't surprise me at all i think it's it's a great concept you've got going here and it gives and, them uh, that like you know ability to really show their work right because i i i know my place like i don't have 40 years of experience in in selling art but i also I'm a very hard worker and I really enjoy what I do and I know there's a lot of potential in the artwork that local artists are making like just seeing the fine art that's available locally it's incredible there is so much more profit in that sense like if you look at it from a business point of view like there's a lot more profit in the sense from when it comes from the local rather than when you go and pick somebody internationally and things like that because they're right there they're readily available they're part of the community i mean why disregard them and you know not even pay attention to what's already there and maybe their artwork is just on canvas at first but that will create opportunities for other things you know what i mean yeah, like for sure. that they can do so it's I don't know. It's kind of cool what's happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just uh, I I so much admire what you've done here. I think it's uh, with your help. <laughs> well, I, I gave you a little bit of help at the start. I've been a little bit neglectful in the last while because I've been, been busy. so busy. <laughs> as as have you. It's uh, you have to pick and choose your days and times yeah. and stuff. So it's been a bit of a challenge. I, mean, I don't think I've been here for a year. So it's uh, it's about time that I got back and, right on. and uh, said hi. And, Thanks to Miram Qureshi for sitting down with me for our fourth episode. Audio and Visual is recorded, produced, and hosted by me, Jay Bigham. The Audio and Visual theme music is called Good Day, written by Kim Lincoln. For more information on Miriam and to hear all our episodes, visit audioandvisual.ca. Follow us on Twitter at audioandvisual and visit facebook.com slash audioandvisual. <laughs>